Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Graves, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janung. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Is it possible to be free from pornography? Well, we're going to find out today. Listen, fantastic that you've joined us uh, on behalf of our producer, Ted Griffin. This is Jason Graves along with my cohort, Rob McIntyre and Mike Janung. Handing over the reins today for the very first time to our favorite, Shelly Lubin, who is going to actually be the, the guest host today, Shelly. Whoa, you're stepping up. I'm excited to be your host. Okay, well, listen, it's all yours. So we're going to have Shelly interview us on uh, our testimonies around pornography. So take it away. All right, great. I'd like to talk to you guys about uh, your porn addiction and uh, your recovery and how God's uh, taking you out of this. But first, I'd like to start with Jason and uh, ask you, you know, what first caused you to view porn? What caused me to view porn? Well, the first time I remember seeing pornography was when I was um, in my late primary years, you know, before age 10, maybe nine or so. And I found some in my yard and it was in the, the woods and it was near like this hauled out stump. And so I kept it there and I referred back to it and, you know, I lived in Seattle, so it'd get all rainy and moldy and, but I'd, I'd flip through the pages and, and, you know, go back to this over and over again. And then one time my dad showed me some pornography in, in the garage. And I know that's something he regrets to this day, but you know, it's like, it's something we've overcome. So it's, it's okay to share it. But bottom line is those are the two, I think, main factors was that, um, I found it. And the reason that kept me coming back was because it was an escape. It was something that I felt affirmed by. It gave me excitement. It gave me a sense of like, uh, outside of myself, you know, like adventure. This was adventurous for me. It was kind of fun. It was kind of funny. I was oh. able to get develop a vision for my life around it because I really wanted to become a porn star. I mean, I saw these pictures and all these people and they were so free. Their life was so different from mine. Mm. And I thought, wow, this could be for me. And so mm. when did you realize, though, that it was becoming a real problem in your life? Well, I remember when I was a teenager, I was babysitting one time and I found some porn at the house uh, of the people I was babysitting. And watch these tapes for literally hours. I made the little boy play by himself in the backyard for hours. And uh, I thought, wow, that is just not, even as a teenager, I knew this is not how I wanted to live my life. So I didn't have much involvement throughout my teen years until I started looking at homosexual pornography uh, when I was about 18 or 19. And that's when I really was impacted by it. So mm. then I didn't, um, I didn't touch the stuff for about 10 years until I got internet and, um, Mm, the and, internet. And, yeah, it came out of nowhere. And I had actually even had internet for about a year, uh, but just never went there. In fact, in my pride, I always said, well, you know, I may have this sexual compulsion, but at least I'm not looking at pornography, right? <laughs> and so then it came back. It really humbled me. And, and then that's when it became very, um, a very binging pattern, very compulsive. I really wanted to stop. I hated myself, and I, right. I couldn't stop. It would be hours on end, and I was just hating and abusing myself. Wow. Yeah. And Rob, let me know, uh, what caused you to view porn, or when did you first view porn? Well, good question. You know, as, as hearing Jason, I had to go back and think about it. And um, I have a memory, and I think I was about six or seven, where one of my brothers showed me, I believe, a Playboy magazine. Um, and, 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 you know, it's funny. I remember that it was a nurse undressing. That's all I can recall. <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. But then um, as a kid staying at my grandma's house, 
And, you know, her place was probably the, the, the place I dreamed about the most as a child, you know, of happiness because my home was kind of a disaster. But she would have these college students stay in an apartment that she had in the back. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times we would stay in that apartment during the summer when they were gone. And they had, you know, Playboy, Penthouse. And so I was, you know, seven, eight, nine, and I had full access to that stuff at wow. seven, eight, and nine. Wow. And did you continue from that time on? Or was no. You know, it was it was interesting. It, it, it was kind of like looking at National Geographic's, you know, and guys will understand this. You know, we're just curious. Yeah. And I was really curious. Um, I, I had, you know, I didn't understand it. I didn't struggle with masturbation or anything. Uh, I didn't struggle with masturbation until after I was abducted and for at age 14. But wow. uh, so my pornography was infrequent. It was interesting. I was curious, but I never really acted out on it until after I was abducted. You said you're abducted. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, oh, yeah. I've shared it on uh, other radio shows that we've had, but I was abducted when I was 14. Had a, was on a trip with my father out on the East Coast um, because of finances, took a bus trip back to where I lived on the West Coast. You can imagine being 14 years old on a Greyhound bus trip across the country. Wow. Took five days, got in early, and I was um, ended up being kind of perpetrated. Well, not kind of. I was perpetrated by a predator. Um, he he pulled a knife on me, beat me up, and, and took me to a place and raped me and, and oh, so on and so forth. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That's actually in my book that yeah. should be coming out soon. Uh, <laughs> and actually, if you want to listen to that show, we did that on April 29th. So you can go to the archives at blazinggrace.org yeah. forward yeah, yeah. Obviously, after that, the porn probably became more of a problem. Well, no. You know, it's, it's interesting. Masturbation did because, you know, I never had any kind of sex act until that time. And masturbation. And, and you know, there's all the soul pain and all that. Uh, but porn oh. really didn't impact me until I got into law enforcement. Wow. And and it was just there. You know, mm-hmm. I worked in a jail down in the in San Jose, California, um, uh, maximum security, and you'd have to go search these cells, and you'd find everything and anything. And, you know, part of the job was to look through for different items, you know, but I looked to, I looked in it, you know, for also the visual. Mm. Wow. And Mike, um, talk a little bit about what caused you to view porn and um, when it became a real problem in your life. Well, I, my family was uh, very strict, somewhat legalistic. <clears throat> there was a lot of focus on the wrongs and the rights. We went to a mm. hard Baptist, hard right Baptist church growing up, and one of my earliest memories is a preacher screaming at the congregation. So, wow. uh, in that context, we grew up with um, if if you're going to be loved, you had to do what's right or wrong. So our, our household was very cold. And then uh, I started getting, I was a basketball fanatic and started. Still is. Still am. <laughs> <laughs> started getting in, uh, still love the Los Angeles Lakers, grew up in Southern California and started getting in Sports Illustrated and the, uh, mm-hmm. the swimsuit issue hit one February, as it always does. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was empty, starved for love, looking for comfort, and the pictures of those happy women with very little clothing on just lit the fire in me for more, and Mm. and, uh, it went from there to Sears catalogs, to racing novels, to to Playboy, which the 7-Eleven around the street would sell them to me without any problem, and then my mother molested me sometime around, I think I was 14 or 15, Wow! and so that really warped my concept of intimacy i was terrified of 
being intimate with women. So porn was a safe way to do it. <clears throat> Sex meant intimacy, and then I charged from there into the hardcore stuff and later into promiscuity and sex of prostitutes and mm. an affair with a married woman as a young man and into a big mess. Wow, so you were quite a bit involved with that. Um, so tell me now, how did this, how did you, how did you guys like, I don't know if you were all married, but I think Mike was married, obviously. So how, Mike, how did this affect your marriage? Well, um, I had an affair with, affair with the married woman when I was still single, and then I okay. uh, felt God calling me all out of all that, got married. I met Michelle in 1980. Seven, and we got married in '89, and she thought she was marrying this pure Christian guy, and mm. and uh, she didn't realize she had a porn addicted husband, and she started getting in uh, Fredericks of Hollywood and Victoria's Secret and these other magazines, and I would find them and act out with them, and then and then uh, the, the fire got lit all over again into a bonfire, and and then one night I went and had sex with a prostitute on a business trip, and. It almost destroyed our marriage. It ripped apart her self-esteem. Um, mm. She was constantly comparing herself with other women and what they look like and uh, oh. always insecure in our marriage, worried about what I would do, what I was thinking. If I would go on a business trip, she would be worried that, you know, I would be, could she trust me? Was I committing adultery with porn or another person on her? It uh it really destroyed her heart because her heart went cold and numb to deal with it for a number of years. Yeah, because the women take it personal, but they don't realize that. That's where I help. I come on the other end and tell them about how messed up we really are and how it's all just a big lie. Yeah. That it really isn't about the women. And Rob, um, Jason, what would you say? How did it affect your marriages? Well, uh, I, mine's um, much more... There there was much more uh, pathology in, in mine. As I had uh, a dozen... Of, of of relationships with other women during oh, my marriage, wow. mm-hmm. and and uh, you know it started about four and a half five years into my marriage, and you know I have a lot more understanding of why that did, but I was basically again pursued by somebody. Now I'm not a victim, obviously, but I was pursued by a woman, and I was just very susceptible to her per, her pursuit, and that ended up starting it. And I was in law enforcement, um, and you know I think that that whole that whole court culture paints a picture um and then for many years actually for about two years my wife didn't know anything until one affair came up and that was back in 1990 and we dealt with that or we thought we dealt with that she thought she dealt with that i was given some terrible terrible counsel which was to to hide the rest and only let her deal with this one thing and of course Nobody was really dealing with sex addiction at the time. And so I went for seven years after that because I married my wife as a virgin, which is kind of interesting. I I really wanted to be a good Christian guy. You know, it's literally Jekyll and Hyde. I had this side of me that wanted to be a good godly man. And then this other side of me that just had this dark side. And for seven years stayed pure. And then when I went into narcotics, um, I was basically asked to uh, work a massage parlor and I, I kind of fought it, but because I was such an approval addict, um, mm. I just, you know, after my boss said, you have to do it, I said, okay, I'll do it, but I don't want my wife to know. Mm. And so I stepped into working massage parlors, and um, you can only imagine, you know, to get solicited for sex, you have to, oh, yeah. you have to disrobe, and they disrobe, and, and I mean, it, it, the whole spirit of it. And that began, m- me begin to deal with the, the seduct- 
the the seductive side of it and my addiction, just like Mike was saying, the bonfire just started up again mm-hmm. and started into a long term relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. So and and the devastation that it caused in my marriage, it's still uh, visible. It's still extremely visible. I um, our listeners don't know what I've gone through in the last year and a half, and I'm not ready to share, except that uh, you know my wife is still hurting. She's mm. still mm. in great pain over this. Mm. And, and, you know, if it wasn't for God giving me, a, I think, a little bit of understanding of what that must be like, I think I'd probably say forget it. Mm. You know? well, I'd like to take this moment then to apologize to your wife and all the wives out there for any of the pain that we, um, I'm going to symbolically represent porn actresses, that we have caused marriages because... Mm. The Bible talks a lot about the seductive woman mm-hmm. and the influence that women have over men. And I personally want to apologize and let her know that it has nothing to do with her, that we, are, we acted wickedly, and, uh, and we seduced men and we hurt them. So yeah. I apologize, and I hope she can forgive me along with the other wives. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, we receive that, and yeah. mm-hmm. I receive that on behalf of my wife for me sure. Me too. Thank yes. you, Shelley. Thanks. And Jason, what about you? Well, I had um, a bit of a running start going into my marriage with uh, the porn thing flaring up just uh, you know a couple of years beforehand. And so I never wanted to bring this into my marriage, Shelley, and I really believe that I wasn't going to. In fact, I thought that, you know, like many of us, that mm-hmm. marriage would be the magic pill. Yep. You know, and I wouldn't have this problem anymore. Myth you know? 433. Yes. <laughs> I'm no longer a porn addict, and I don't have same-gender attractions. Because now I can because... have sex all the time. <laughs> That's right. Oh, because I said I do. You know, isn't it great? <laughs> but you know what? It doesn't work that way. So, um, you know, I, I, I went about, you know, I don't know, uh, two, three months without having any problems problem. Uh, but then it started. And, you know, I had always been really in the light with my wife about whenever I'd have a problem. And essentially, she she would just kind of um, make the subconscious pact with the devil saying, well, it's basically between him and God, not looking at her opportunity to serve me by telling me the truth. And she, you know, we finally mm-hmm. went to a uh, we went to a marriage conference and the guy empowered uh, the wives to ask their husbands, when was the last time you asked, acted out? Well, so my wife, a few few weeks later, uh, asked me, so when was the last time you, you looked at porn or masturbated? And, you know, the only time she ever asked me, and again, I had always confessed to her proactively, I had bad news for her. I had acted out like a day or two before, and I just oh. hadn't gotten to telling her yet. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> Isn't um, that how it works yeah, out? Yeah, right. And the, the, the first time she asked, I had bad news for her. Now, listen, in my denial pattern, what I said was, when I was just masturbating and not looking at pornography, well, I'm just masturbating. I'm not like those others that are looking at pornography, right? <laughs> then in when, your mind, you're looking at it. Exactly. Well, so I'm going to get to that. You know, there's a woman for you, you know, anticipating what I'm going to say. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. so you know, and then, then I went to looking at porn saying, well, at least I'm not acting out with other people, you know, because I thought, well, I'm not an adulterer, right? Well, then my wife said after I confessed to her that it was just a day or two before, she said, you know what? The Bible says that if you committed lust in your heart, it's the same thing as adultery, mm. you know, and it broke, it burst my bubble. And, and, you know, I never wanted to look, see that look on her face again. I never wanted to hear those words come out of her mouth again. So I immediately got into recovery and, you know, I've been walking in that freedom ever since. It was February um, 27th of uh, 2004. So it seems all of you were actually Christians while you were... Viewing yeah. porn. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, for me, it was before and wow. after. Yeah. Wow. And so now I want to know, um, what has been your biggest struggle um, 
let's just talk to Rob right now. What has been your biggest struggle in overcoming porn? I, I, I guess the biggest struggle overcoming porn would be just how it fed me emotionally. Yeah. And, and it wasn't really that difficult for me to stop looking at it. But what was difficult for me was to come to grips with what I was trying to plug, <laughs> yeah. the emotional hole. And, and I think that's been my greatest journey, uh, has been getting emotional healing. And what I use is sex addiction and pornography to plug. Right. Wow. And, Mike, why don't you tell me, what do you think the porn addicts, one of their biggest triggers are? His mind. Um, any image at any moment can light a fire in that mind that can start him down the wrong path. Mm-hmm. So if he doesn't cut off that thought the second, the instant that it comes up, Amen. then he's gone. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's on his way down the cliff. So basically you're living by Second Corinthians 10.5. Take every is, thought captive. And that's my number one scripture I have lived by for the entire time in recovery. Mm-hmm. So that's I always try and teach people that it really, if you just halt it right there and mm-hmm. seize it, and think on something new. It's like Shelley's little prescriptions. I got Second Corinthians ten five and Philippians four eight. Mm-hmm. Think on something pure, noble, and good, mm-hmm. and that's how I overcame a lot of those memories. So yeah. wow, we should do a whole show on taking thoughts captive. Oh yeah, wow, or on triggers. Okay, we, yeah. Just an idea. Okay. All right. <laughs> Teach people how to overcome this stuff. Amen. So now, how do you think wives play a part in helping their husbands who are addicted to porn? Well, I know for me, I mean, my wife was brave enough to ask the question. You know, she didn't hold back. She overcame her fear of, of uh, you know, putting me in an awkward position. And or losing I, you. Yeah, and it saved our marriage. You know, I mean, we've got a great marriage, you know. And, Praise God. And we have, I, I mean, we are both, my wife and I, are so thankful for the marriage and the relationship that we have. Uh, you know, we're not perfect. We have our ups and downs like everyone, and, and you know, it's, it's normal that way. But, you know, we're so thankful. But I, I can't say it would, it, was, it would be the same. If I was still st- stuck in my compulsive pattern of, mm. of pornography, you know, and, you know, you talk about the the um, the things that make it hard to get out of there. You know, uh, the trigger for me wasn't so much my mind was the other part of my soul, my emotions, you know, the, mm. the feelings that um, of affirmation that the porn gave me, you know, mm. and and, it, and, the, and the frequent temptations that still come up. Uh, to go back there and and you know so wow. bottom line is is that you know it's christ has set the freedom for us it's just now up to us to walk in that amen that's awesome that's exactly it sounds like we almost have the same kind of recovery <laughs> yeah 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 you know just we, being with just not walking in his freedom can uh, be such a bondage yeah right. and so now do you guys have any wisdom tips for those who are really struggling right now you know your best tips to help them um you know get off the bondage of porn well, I would just say, hey, look at the false intimacy aspect of it. Yeah, okay, so it it is giving you something. But what it's giving you, is it real and is it lasting? Mm-hmm. And is it something that's, um, that is promoting growth in you or is it keeping you stuck? And the other thing is look at the, the things that cause the triggers in your life. Look at the things that porn temporarily satisfies. Are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Tired, sick, mm. sick, sad, stressed, mm-hmm. scared, shameful. We try to meet our needs illegitimately by using porn instead of responsibly meeting those needs as adults. And how would you meet those needs? 
Well, how I, do you do it? Yeah, I for me, you know, I've been sober for six years, but the way I've met it because my wife had her reaction to my addiction and mm. and, a, and a huge impact is I've learned to get it from support from men, yeah. from godly men, and from my relationship with God. I've had to yeah. grow up literally yeah. emotionally, and yeah. so men. Uh, healthy, godly men who are in, re- in recovery. I have a mentor now. I have mm-hmm. uh, other men who are just supporting me in this journey. And you've got to, like Stephen Arterburn says in his book, Healing is a Choice, you've got to make the choice to yes. connect your life. You've right. got to connect so your life true. to others' lives. Yep. You've got to get over your victimhood. Okay, so yep. maybe you were abused <laughs> like the rest of us, right? Well, uh-huh. you got to get over that. Yeah. you got to embrace it. you got to yeah. say, listen, this is what it is. I'm not going to be a victim to it anymore. And yep. then, you know, you got to develop an action plan around those main triggers of yours and say, if I'm hungry, whether that's a physical hunger or a mm-hmm. spiritual hunger, mm-hmm. this is what I'm going to do. If I'm angry, then I need to blank. Oh, that's great. If I'm lonely, then I need to blank. You right. know, and develop that action plan in advance. Get some true accountability around it, not just, hey, how you doing? Good. Fine. How are you? <laughs> Good. Fine. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. but t- talking about numbers, like when was the last time you acted out? Oh, okay. Oh, and when was the last time you, you were doing work on your recovery? Blank, blank, you know. Fill in the, the numbers of accountability. Wow, that's great advice. Oh, I'd like to have, have a good idea every once in a while. Mike, with, <laughs> ju- with just a minute uh, left, Mike, anything else you want to add on that? <clears throat> I didn't get free until I filled my deepest core need, which is for Jesus Christ. And mm-hmm. it, at my deepest level, I'm hungry for God. I'm not hungry for lust or for other men. I'm, I'm starved for God. And as the book, as the psalm says, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my heart pants mm-hmm. for you. And it, Till I was able to receive the living God's love and grace, I was still empty no matter what I did. Counseling, support right. groups, everything. Amen. So really, the only thing I can say is go after God as hard as you went after lust, as hard as you've gone after money and everything else. Right. Go after the living Amen. God. Amen. Amen. Second, uh, First Thessalonians 5.23, it says, be sanctified body, mind, and spirit. Okay, so it's not just one or the other. It's all three. Shelly, great job today. Thanks for being our yeah, thanks, guest Shelley. hostess. Thanks, Shelly. Thanks for having me. I love, I love First interviewing ever. you guys. My goodness, you did a great job. <laughs> well, listen, thanks for tuning in to Blazing Grace. <laughs> Tune in next week when we have an interview with Tim Wilkins of Cross Ministry. Listen, if you want a related show uh, about today's show, we shared our of sexual abuse Uh, testimonies on April 29th Uh, so you can go to blazinggrace.org radio sorry forward slash radio dot htm for the archives you can also look at my testimony about same gender attractions on uh, September 24th of last year and then we uh, welcomed Mike back way back in June 11th and 17th of last year we did uh, his story and uh, a spotlight on our new ministry moving forward so Would you like to support the work of Blazing Grace and Blazing Grace Radio? Uh, We'd love to have your support. So listen to the end of the show where you can get information about how to get help from a therapist or um, how to uh, support the radio show. Um, Also, if you'd like to contact Shelly directly, you can reach her at her website. That's ShellyLubin.com. S-H-E-L-L-E-Y-L-U-B-B-E-N.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of The Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 625. 
521 Colorado Springs, Colorado, 8096-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 8096-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www blazinggrace.org that's triple w b l a z i n g g r a c e dot o r g forward slash radio dot h t m on that page you'll find a downloadable copy of this show or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach rob mcintyre and jason graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL that's 877 877- 7685 Desire for a specific subject to be covered on Blazing Grace? Tell Mike Janung what you want covered. You can email Mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening, and may God shine his grace upon you.